Can I say every Christian should have uh, a meeting or a sermon that they were involved in uh, uh, that's memorable into their lives? I've got some meetings that I, that I was uh, been in that I'll never forget. Uh, messages that were preached that seared my heart. Uh, I, I've been in some message, uh, uh, sermons that uh, were very forgettable. I've preached some messages that were very forgettable. And I, I, I find some were highly, highly forgettable. There's not more than a lonely place than a preacher standing in a pulpit about halfway through the message and realize you've missed the mark. You missed the mark. I've been in some meetings that were so memorable that God showed up, God moved, and God did something in my life. I'll never forget them. Uh, where God done something in somebody else's life, when God start moving in our life. I'll never forget them. There should be some messages in your life that pierces your heart that are unforgettable. Uh, I, I've been in some meetings that preachers preached and stuff that helped me. I'll never forget those messages. They, they're permanently seared into my heart. And I'll never forget them. Jonathan Edwards preached a message uh, of uh, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God and thousands and thousands got saved off that message. Billy Sunday used to preach all over this country against alcohol and, and thousands and thousands walked the sawdust trail uh, to get saved. And as great as preachers as they was, Jesus was still greater than that. He, he said so as much as said, Jesus was preaching with this one time, said at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, a greater than Jonah is here. And you've read about Jonah's preaching, haven't you? Jonah preached and 120,000 people got right with God. In fact, that revival got so deep, even the goats, cows, and sheep got right with God. They were in sackcloth and ashes. That's, that's a powerful message when the dogs and cats get right with God. Amen. But Jesus said there's one greater, one greater, in the ministry of the Lord, I find that I believe the Lord had some sermons that are absolutely unforgettable. The story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. One of the greatest stories ever told. In fact, there are three messages in Luke that Luke only records, nobody else records them. He, he, he records the message of the uh, Good Samaritan. He preached a story in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man and Lazarus. Then we get to chapter 15 and we find the story of the prodigal son. Can you imagine a Lord coming into the town and someone 
facing a, a, a lostward or wayward friend or lostward, wayward uh, child or a family member and they're looking for hope and Jesus was come in and he preached this message of the prodigal son to give them hope and give them encouragement that God is still moving, that God is still working. It's not a parable, it's a true story. In fact, it said in verse 11 of chapter 15, it said, and he said a certain man had two sons. Can I say if you've got two children, can you look at them and say they're about as different as night as day? They're none of them the same. They're different. Mine were different as night as day. One was clean, one was a mess. You figure out which one was. One went to school looking great, and the other one didn't care what he wore. Plaids with stripes. I'd shake my head, Lord help me. <laughs> so you know who it is now. But they're, they're different as night as day. But can I tell you, parents, there is no perfect child. There's no perfect child. And, and children, can I bust your bubble this morning? There is no perfect parent. In fact, as once said, take it easy on mom and dad because they're learning too. Amen, I believe that. After having mine, I, I'm still learning. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to preach on the greatest Christmas Message ever preached in Luke chapter 15. You say, well, how in the world can you preach a message out of Luke chapter 15 on the prodigal son? It is a Christmas message. I will show you. Let us stand. Luke chapter 15. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said unto his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all there, all, there arose a mighty famine in the land that he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent himself to the fields and fed swine. And he would faint from fill his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave him to him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father's house, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thee. Let me give you some Bible help this morning. Those that have wayward children or loved ones, you see what it's finally taken to get this father, him back to the father's house. It took a famine. It took him hitting the hog pen. You know what it's going to take for some people it's going to take coming to a barren, dry land in their life. Everything goes to hell in a handbasket. They end up in the lowest place of their life they've ever been before. 
The hardest thing to do as a parent is to know when to intervene and when to keep your hands off. Keep your hands off so God can get them to the point they're willing to come home. I, I know some parents that keep interjecting themselves into the story instead of letting God take care of it. They want to jump on and help out. They want to give and give, but they're not letting God get them to the place where they'll come back to the house. God's job is working behind the scenes. Your job is as the Father should be praying at the house. In verse 19, And I will no more worthy be called thy son and, and make thee as one of my, thy higher servants. And he rose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thy sight, and I am no worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring here to the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry. For he said, My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And he came and draw nigh to the house, hearing music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father had killed the fatted calf, because he had received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I have any time thy commandments, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son that come from have, which have devoured thy livings with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art always ever with me, and always have I had this time. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is now found. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and grace and love. Help us the most morning, Lord, to be what we need to be, Lord. We come to worship you on this day, the day that we celebrate your birth. But Lord, it's a Christmas. And Lord, we just ask each one of us just to remember why we celebrate. It's not about the gift. It's not about the tree. It's about what you've done for us. And Father, we'll praise you and give you the glory and honor in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. I'm interested in what he said in verse 28. And when he said, this boy was angry and would not go in. This is the Christmas story that I want to preach this morning called Home Alone. We've all seen that movie. Everybody has seen that movie, Home Alone. Hey Amen. That was a good movie. I saw one on a plane back in 1990 when it first came out. It's a classic. It gets played all year. In fact, you go home today, it'll be on TV today. It's a story about a boy named uh, 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 Kevin McAllister. And he gets out of sorts with his family. He gets upset with his family. He feels like he's being treated badly. 
He's mad at his mama, he's mad at his daddy, he's mad at his aunts, mad at his uncles, mad at his cousins, mad at his brothers and sisters. So he goes all the way up in the top of the house and he says, I wish they were all gone. He got his wish. He woke up the next day and they were all gone. The story in the text uh, uh, all about is, is nothing about but this Christmas story. You may say, I've never heard a Christmas story out of Luke chapter 15. Well, it's there. Did you notice the word Mary? It pops up four times. Everybody this time of year says Merry Christmas. Here in the story we find somebody that is trying to get home. That's why they wrote the songs, I'll be home for Christmas. There's no place like home for the holidays. Gifts are given in this text. He gives him a robe. He gives him a, a ring. He gives him a pair of Nikes to put on his feet to make him feel good. It said shoes on his feet. Gifts are given. Food is eaten. They have killed the fatted calf. They're having T-bone steaks. What a time to rejoice and be merry. This is a Christmas story. There is forgiveness that was given. Family fellowship was restored between a wayward son and his father. But then there's the Scrooge in this story. He ain't having none of the merrymaking. He ain't having none of the excitement. He's upset with the whole thing. This fellow is at home, but he's all alone. Now, how many of you know you can be at, in a crowd of uh, people, in a crowded place with a lot of people and still be alone? There is people uh, around you, and this guy, uh, they're excited and they're running, they're making merry, but yet he's all alone. This is the picture of Kevin. This is the picture of the, product, the, the elder of the prodigal son. He's not satisfied. He's unhappy. Nothing going the way he wants it to go. The Father's house is a picture of the church. It's a place where the dead come alive. It's a place where people come in dead and trespass and sins and they get their life right with God. The Holy Ghost does a work and their hearts get born again. They get life. It is a place where uh, prodigals come home. How many prodigals have you seen walk the aisles and come back to God? And got right with the Lord. Lost people get found in this place. It's a place where music going on. We just heard some wonderful singing. It is said that music in the place is a place of celebration. We're celebrating the birth of Christ. This Father's house is a picture of the church this morning. I find just like old Kevin here in his home alone. The elder brother is at the Father's house. But he's missing out. Do you realize it's possibly be sitting in the Father's house this morning and miss out on the merrymaking, miss out on the celebration, 
and the excitement of what God is doing. You know, it's possible to be utterly sitting in a place where the dead is coming alive. And the prodigals are coming home. Music's being played and people are celebrating. The father shows up and accepting people back into fellowship after they're done wrong. Sinners are getting forgiven. Confession is being made. The altar is full. And you could be sitting in the Father's house as the old Scrooge this morning. The other brother is missing out on it all. I have determined in 2023 there ain't nobody going to steal my joy in the Father's house. There, there are some people that will come to the Father's house and, and, and sit and talk Talk about your problems. Talk about what's going on in your life. And they always do it right before it's preaching time. Can I tell you, if you got a problem, there's something going on in your life, wait till I, the church tells me then, don't come before me before I have to get up here and preach because that's what's going to be on mine. I'm not going to let people rob me of my joy in the Father's house this morning. I find that some people worry about what everybody else is doing. They're looking at what everybody else is doing. Not worrying about what's uh, going on in with the Father's house. So what's the problem with this guy? How, how do we spot a home alone spirit in our lives? First, there's the backslidden aspiration. You realize the younger brother is called the prodigal son. This is a story about him. He's the one that goes out of the brother with his uh, problems in the story. He starts out wrong, and then God gets him right. Look at verse 22. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give him me the portion of goods that fall upon me, and divide them unto his, his living. And he said in that 13, he said, and many days out, and not many days after that, the younger gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Here we find this feller, there, there's something uh, that just ain't right here. He's home alone. He, he's in the house, but his heart and his mind is somewhere else. It's out yonder in a far country. He's already done checked out. You know why some people wind up like that? They wind up in a world away from God and a backslidden from the things of God because they've already backslidden while they're still sitting in the house of God. Their hearts are gone. Their minds are gone. They get that way before their feet ever head in the direction of of backslidden aspirations. I found out that you can be backslidden sitting on a church pew and nobody knows. They don't know your mind. They don't know your heart. You can be in backslidden cold as a devil sitting in a church 
Some people ain't looking to get in. They're looking for an exit door to get out. The bright lights of the world has called them and caught their eyes and they're looking for a reason to get out inside of the world. There are young people sitting in the church today. Their time will come when they turn 18, 19, 20 years old. When they get their car. They get their cash and get their home on their own. They'll get out from around mama and daddy. And it won't be long you'll see them starting to drift out of the church. Because something out there has attracted them. They may have found a girlfriend or boyfriend, but something has pulled them away from the house of God before their feet ever left to the door. That is an outward indication of an already wrong, of an inward condition. Backslidden before they ever left. Before they ever moved. You can't tell it, I can't tell it, but in their hearts and minds, they've already gone, checked out. I find some people getting backslidden condition and really don't mean it. Really don't mean it. It's unintentional. Circumstances, life messed them up. In the second home alone, if you've seen the movies, they're going to the airport, all of them are at the airport. But somehow, Kevin is running with his father, and then something takes his eyes off his father, and he starts looking at it. And the next thing you know, He's on a different plane than his entire family. He got to feeling with something, a toy, and he took his eyes off the father. It should have been on the father. It should have kept him on the father. You know, sometimes the world can put something in your path. And you start looking with it, you start fiddling with it, and you start playing with it. Next thing you know, your eyes are off of God, your eyes are off the Father, and you start looking at that, and you can get separated, unintentionally get separated from God. That's the reason why a lot of people get out of church, end up in a far country. They get their eyes on something. They get their eyes off of Jesus. And some people get in a backslidden because their eyes are on some people in church. You can't enjoy the time in the Father's house because you're always worried about what somebody else is doing in the house themselves. Can I say you can't fix nobody but yourself? Stop taking your eyes off of everybody else in the church Fix yourself. Worry about yourself. Don't worry about what anybody else in the house doing. Just worry about what you are doing. We see the attitude of the older brother. Verse 25. Now his eldest son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. He asked, what's going on here? And the servant tells him, and he gets angry. He wouldn't go in. Verse 29, 
And he told his father, I've served you and I have, trans- have not transgressed your commandments. You've never given me a kid. But as soon as your son, your son, as soon as your son comes home, he's the, he devoured the living, all the money you give him with harlots. You killed the fatted calf. You know what his problem is? He's critical about everybody. Kevin in the movie said to his mother, I hate you. Then he slams the door and goes to bed. He wanted to be alone. And he gets what he wants. But he ain't got what he wants, what he's wanting. We see the bad attitude. I find some Christians are like that. Nothing is right in the Father's house. The elder brother, nothing is right at the Father's house. Something is wrong with everything. Let me say, if you're looking for fault in me or the church, you ain't got to look long or hard. I've got faults. The church's got faults. We all got faults. If you're looking for a fault, don't worry about it. You'll find it if you look hard enough. We try our best. We live by the book. And worship the Lord. We don't always get it right, but we get up and keep doing it. Look, look at this guy. Everything is all about him in verse 29. Lo, these many years I served thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandments. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. It's all about him. How many people you know that's all about them? It's not about anybody else. It's all about what they can do and what they can say, what they can do. It's all about him. He said, I, 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 me, 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 my, my, my. It's all about him. And I find that's where a lot of Christian people get. It's all about them. We find there's a bitter anger he has. In verse 28, as soon as he heard that his brother had come home, he should have been happy about it. But he's angry. It's something, verse 30, he said, as soon as thy son, he wouldn't even call him brother. Wouldn't call him brother. He had sonship, but he had no brotherhood. John said, if any man say, if I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he loveth, me, and loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? You can't love God and hate your brother. This guy is trying to straddle the fence and do both. You know what's going on the whole time? He's missing out on what God is doing in the house. I don't want to miss out on what God does in the house. Sometimes I find a bad attitude swelling up inside of me. 
Sometimes I find a bitter anger welling up inside of me. Sometimes I, I, I find a backslidden aspiration welling up inside of my heart. We all got that. We all get to that point at some times in our life. But how do you curb that? Well, the younger brother shows us how to do it. He starts out wrong. He's on the wrong track. He, he starts out way out in left field, but then he comes back. He comes back into play with and gets right. There's three things I want to give you right quick and we'll go home. Void of being alone at home. First of all, he came to himself. One of the greatest statements in the Bible. He does, he, he's down there eating the husk with the swine. He's sitting next to the pig. He's talking to the pigs in the pig pen. What's going on, brother? We've got it bad down here, don't we? He, he has a revelation. This is what happens in verse 17. And when he came to himself. And you know what that, it's an implication is. He wasn't thinking right. You realize when you get out there living in the world, living for yourself, you ain't thinking right. Your mind is messed up. Blinded by the, uh, 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 the gods of this world, the Bible said. You ain't thinking right. You're out in the world. It's messed up your thought process. It said he finally came to himself. What did he say when he finally came to himself? He said, how many her servants of my father have been, had bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy higher servants. He has a realization when it comes to himself. He realized my father has been better to me than I thought he was. When I walked out and left, I didn't realize how good I had it made. I didn't think daddy was fair. I didn't think daddy was a, a very good. But if all of a sudden, when everything got bad, when the situation hit him, when he hit rock bottom, he realized that he had a good daddy. He realized he had a good daddy. When he came to himself, He said, I thought my daddy was holding me back from having a good life, enjoying my life. But see, the elder brother thought, his thought is, he's trying to hold something back from me. You haven't given me a kid so I can make merry with my friends. You're not doing for me what you did for him. He just didn't realize how good daddy had been to him all along. You see the difference here? This boy is still at the house thinking that daddy had done him right, ain't done him right. And here this boy is in the hog pen over here trying to get back to home and realize that father has done him right. God, father was good to him. But this and over here got removed from the grace of God.
But this one over here was still in the grace of the Father. He lived in a house for so long that he didn't realize how good he had it. He didn't realize how good daddy had been to him. Can I say this this morning? That, that is a danger of somebody being in the house for so long. You forget how good God really is to you. You can't get to the place where you've been out in the world and the filth came along, the world came along. You get to thinking that you deserve God being good to you. You deserve the blessings of God. The truth is we don't deserve anything from God except death and hell. If God had been fair to us, we'd be nailed to the charred walls of hell today. And if you want to keep from having a home alone, bitter spirit, bad attitude, you need to come to yourself and realize God has been good. God is still good. I, I realized I could have messed up where I was, but God came and saved me. God came looking for me. I, I look at what God has done in my life, what God has brought me to. I still could have been a sinner this morning, but God forgave me. God's been good to this old sinner. The elder brother said, should have gotten into on the merrymaking. Saying, God has been good. I, I've been here. My brother was gone. We thought he's dead, but now he's alive. I'm rejoicing. My brother is now alive. He was lost. Now he's found. I, I ought, to just be, ought to just be rejoicing that someone came back. I, I find this a lot of times in church. When somebody trips up and falls away and when they come back and get right with God sometimes we get a critical spirit on them we point at them so you as a sinner but every one of us are sinners every one of us you know, it just takes all it takes if you walk out that door and you trip up and you fall. You make a mistake. You'll find yourself in the world. And, and if I find myself in the world, and I've seen preachers do it here lately, just run wild. But if you find somebody that trips up and falls into the world, you ought to witness to them and tell them, hey, God still loves you. The church still loves you. We'd like to see you come back. And when you come Back and they get right with God, then as you just you, you establish that fellowship with them again, let them know God is good. If God can forgive you, so can I. But we get that critical spirit. See, God knows what you did. God knows what I did. And, and, and if I got like critical spirit about somebody else wouldn't it be shame if God had that critical spirit about you and I we might as well leave because none of us going to make it but we see he came to himself and then there was confession of his sins in verse 21 
the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned. Can I say confession is good for the soul? You, know what I, you want to know how to keep from having a backslidden aspiration, bitter anger, bad attitude? Just keep confession regularly. Keep on confessing. I, I wonder when was the last time you actually came to the altar and confessed. Lord, I'm sorry. You say, sorry for what? I don't know what I got to be sorry for. I've got plenty to be sorry for. When's the last time you had confession? Some sins. Well, I don't got nothing to confess. You ought to come and confess that because you're a liar. We've all sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. Everybody got something they need to get right from time to time. I, I love this home alone guy. He's not confessing his sins. He's a Baptist. He's confessing his brother's sin. Amen. We do that. He looked at his daddy and said, Your son has been out there with harlots, wasted all his money. He's confessing his brother's sin. His brother should confess his own sins. We're real good about confessing our brother's and sister's sins. We're real good saying that guy did this, that lady they did that, that girl did that. When all the time along you said, Lord, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but Lord, it is me that is need of help today. I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. See, that, that's, I've sinned against heaven. That's vertical confession. Then he said, I can sin against thy. That's horizontal. See, he's getting it right on both planes. See, a lot of times we get it right right up here, but we don't get it right down here. See, we don't think we ought to confess our sins of, to, to one another. How many of you have been angry at somebody and you harbored that anger for so long that bitterness built up inside your life and it just kept eating at you and eating at you? All you had to do was go confess to them, I'm sorry. Well, I can't do that. That may make me look like I'm something. Well, you are. Just be honest. You are something. We're all something. We all got something we ought to confess to God and to each other. If you just come running to God this morning and say, Lord, I am sorry. Now, I've seen people come to the altar and you praying with them, and they just couldn't pray because they were crying so much, and you just had to leave them alone. Let God deal with their life. Let God move in their life, and let God do what He needs to do. And don't try to say, well, repeat after me. Let God move. If you just come to the altars, Lord, I'm sorry. I made a mess. And I promise you, God will come running to you. I promise you God will come running to you. Get to the place where you have regular confessions of sin. 
a hearty helping of confession. I, I'm sorry it goes a long ways with your brother and with the Lord. We see he came to himself. We see he confessed his sins, but there's compassion that was shown. Verse 20. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, can you get this picture? Here he has been in that dirty, smelly, rotten hall pen. He's cussed his daddy, broke his mama's heart, blow the inheritance. He comes back broke and yet daddy runs up and starts crying and falls on his neck and kisses him. What a scene. That is a great picture of our Heavenly Father. We were nothing but dirty, stinking, rotten, no good sinners, broken on our way to, uh, on our way to hell. And, and then God moved in our hearts and we come running to our Father. And He falls down on side of us and He gives us a kiss and He welcomes us back into the family. The Bible says, draw nigh unto Him, He'll draw nigh unto you. One step in God's direction. And God will do the rest. He will come running to where you are this morning. Do, do you notice that he knew what was going to say to his father? Verse 18, he says, I will arise and go to my father's house, and I will say unto my father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy higher servants. Before he even gets to his house, before he's, as he's walking, and I don't know how far away he was, I don't know how long it took him, but he already knew what he was going to say. Father, I have sinned against heaven, I have sinned against thee, I am no more worthy to call thy son, make me one of thy higher servants. Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against thee, I am no more worthy to call thy son, make me one of thy higher servants. Father, I have sinned against heaven, I have sinned against thee, I am no more worthy to call thy be called thy son. Make me one of thy higher servants. He's rehearsing this over and over in his mind as he's going back to the father's house. He's got something on his mind. He's got something on his chest. He's got to tell his father, I, I need to let you know this, daddy. I need to let you know what I've came to. But watch in verse 21. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. That's what he's going to say. Verse 22, but the father said, I love that. Just when you're about ready to get everything off your chest, the father steps in. The father cuts him off. Did y'all notice that? He missed something that he was rehearsing. Make me one of thy higher servants. You say, well, he forgot it. No, I believe daddy interrupted him. Father, I sin against heaven and thy sight, and no more worthy be called thy son. Good enough for me, son. That's it. That's all I wanted to hear. Don't need to say anything else. That's right on. 
I'm glad there's a God that's got so much mercy and compassion that if you run to him, he ain't going to get it all out. You know he ain't going to get it all out, but he'll run to you and just throw himself on you and say, I'm sorry, God. And he'll say, that's good enough. That's good enough for me. You are forgiven. It's been forgiven. Let's make merry. You've come back like you are. Just come and say, Lord, forgive me this morning. There is no set prayer, because if it was a set prayer, we'd all have to pray it. We don't have no set prayer. The Lord knows your heart. You messed up in this world, and I tell you, there are people sitting right here this morning are messed up in this world. Just come to the Lord. He'll clean you. He'll make you one of His. Said he came to himself. You got to come to yourself and realize where you at in this world today. And when we come to ourselves, we realize we can't make it on our own. He came to himself. We need to come to ourselves. I'm lost and I'm undone. I'm not on my. I'm not going to heaven. I know I'm going to hell. Then he confessed. Got to confess. There's no repentance without confession. You can't, you can't repent without confessing. There's got to be some confessing or there's no repentance. And, and when you do that, you find the greatest thing in life. The compassion of God will fall upon you. He'll forgive you. He'll wash your sins away. And he'll invite you back into the family of God. I don't know about you, but I enjoy being in the family of God. I enjoy being in the house of God. I, being I love being around the people of God. And there's some day that I'm going to stand around the throne of God. And I'm going to worship him. And I'm going to give him the praise. I'm going to give him the glory. And I'm going to give him honor for what he's done for me. And what he's done for me, he can do for me you I'm on my way to heaven I'm just letting you know he said I go to prepare a place he's gone to prepare a place for me and I'm, re I'm ready today if the day was the day I'd be rejoicing right now if, it was, if he said hey brother Jimmy you're on your way home I said praise God take me now because I'm tired of living in this world I'm tired of facing the devil in this world and the flesh in this world and the world in this world. I'm tired of it. Just take me home. Take me home where I can be around family.